Hi friends, welcome to Beat Curiosity. I'm Abigail. Today's episode features Chris, an acquaintance from Twitter, and I should probably warn you that this really isn't an episode that's probably appropriate for kids, so I will give you a couple seconds to go grab some headphones if you need to. I met Chris a couple of weeks ago. He runs an account that focuses on the transgender movement. First, we start off with his quest through gender dysphoria starting at age 5. Second, the damage of living a double life. And third, the blessing of strong families. He was extremely open and vulnerable and really wants to build an online community. So for that purpose, you can follow or contact him on Twitter at LostMe1313. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Yeah. Nice to meet you. My name is Chris. I'm Abigail, obviously. I'm just curious, can you give me a couple bullet points about you? Let's give your name, how old you are, any other fun facts. It doesn't have to be necessarily that relevant to this conversation. All right. So let's see. First of all, I'm Chris. I'm 25. I, I live on a cow ranch, have my entire life. Very, very sheltered life. Pretty quiet. Nothing, nothing too dramatic ever happened. Um, I was homeschooled for all, for my entire life, except for when I was very, very young. And then later on, my parents decided to pull me out and um, homeschool me. I got my high school diploma just a few couple of years ago. Right now, I'm looking at different colleges I might want to go to this year after uh, COVID is over. Awesome. So this is funny because, well, you're one of the first people that I've had on my show that if they aren't in my exact town, that mm-hmm. you're in the same time zone as me. Mm-hmm. And I was also homeschooled my whole life. So that's kind of funny. Oh, really? I, wow. Yeah, I was pretty sheltered too. I see. Yeah. My parents were very protective. I mean, they hate the outside world. I mean, they don't hate it, but yeah, they just think it's really it's dangerous and you know. Yeah. This is kind of an awkward start, so work with me. Okay. Okay. Um, we're going to be talking about some dysphoria, and specifically gender dysphoria. Would you mind telling me a little bit about, like, when this started in your life and about how old you are and what it kind of felt like at first? Mm-hmm. Okay. Good question. So, it started around, I would say, when I was five. It was, I mean, it, it happened very subtly at first. These, these, are not, these are not things that can be directly attributed to gender dysphoria because they can really happen to any child. You know, any, any child, any boy can play with his sister's dolls or any girl can play with her brother's trucks, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it can happen anywhere, but it did start when I, around when I was five and and um, I was very much into my sister's things. And um, I have a sister. I have a little sister and a little brother. I'm the oldest of three siblings. My earliest memory of it was when I was five. 
it was um, just after my sister's birthday, and um, she, she uh, got me dress-up clothes for for her birthday, and I and I put them on, and um, uh, shortly after that, my mom caught me, and I got in a bunch of trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, that was basically where it started, and then after that, I was too I was too scared to ever try that again, <laughs> and um, because I was grounded for quite a while. But so um, a few years later, though, I began to start when I was about nine. I began to start wearing my sister's clothes again, many, many times, but in private when nobody was around. Um, and it's of course is wrong. Of course, I believe it's wrong. Of course, to use or borrow whatever somebody else's clothes without their permission. But of course, I was a child then, and I didn't know any better. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I did, and that went on for years and years until like my mid-teens, and um. And I did it in private every time. I was never really caught because I was so careful and paranoid about getting caught. Mm-hmm. Um, because, of course, it's pretty obvious my, by now my parents wouldn't have been very accepting of that. Um, in my teenage years, I started becoming more serious about it. I didn't understand what gender dysphoria was. You know, I didn't know that term. I didn't know what transgender was even. I just knew I liked girl things, basically. I just liked to be feminine. But one day when I was watching TV, I was watching Anderson Cooper. And he was talking about transgender. That was when I first heard the word. And um, I didn't have a phone or anything or internet or anything at that time. That was where I first heard it. When I first heard that, it made so much sense to me. You know, I, you know, it's like hitting the nail on the head. You know, you think to yourself, that's it. Mm-hmm. Because he was talking about trans people and what they do and how they feel and um, they go through. And it was just exactly the way I felt, you know. And when you hear a term that describes people, that describes their experience as exactly the same that you are experiencing, then everything just clicks in your head and you're like, that's me. That's what I am, Mm. you know, and being able to put a word to it, I guess, helped. Yeah. You did find it helpful to have a word? It did. Yeah. It was helpful because, you know, being a child growing, excuse me, growing up in a conservative household, it's, you don't know these things, you know, you don't know all these other terms, all these other all these other things to do with gender and sexuality or whatever. So to actually hear it and be able to put a word to it, you know, you identify with that, and that, you know, that becomes, you know, you think to yourself, you know, that's me. So you start adopting all the beliefs and, and, uh, ideals that come along with it. Yeah. I believe that I was trans, you know, from that point on, but of course I stayed closeted. I didn't, tell that to anybody or anything so and then once into my mid-teens I stopped borrowing my sister's clothes once I decided that was wrong and then I started buying my own and smuggling them home from Walmart and that was extremely stressful because my entire childhood I was just stressed about getting caught because I did not want to get caught so I hid them, wore them only when nobody else was around. And then 
once I had got a smartphone, the trans identity thing kind of took off from there. And I firmly believed I was trans. I firmly believed, you know, that the whole trans sayings that you're trapped inside the wrong body, you're born with the wrong body. Um, and I joined trans Facebook groups. Mm-hmm. I talked about this kind of thing with with uh, other trans people. I talked with a lot of other trans people. And they all talked about their experiences. Like, I wasn't woke necessarily. I didn't, I wasn't buying into wokeness, the whole idea of wokeness. Mm-hmm. Just the trans ideology part of it. Because the whole this whole time I still did identify as conservative. I still was religious and still am. I was born um, Catholic and um, I still am and I always was. And so I was I never became like a fully fledged woke individual. I, but um, but um, I did identify with the trans ideology for for quite a while. So that was my adventure through. trans and dysphoria so for the sake of clarity i thought i'd read the definition of gender dysphoria but language has just changed so much recently it's really difficult to understand what it even means so here's the definition of body dysphoria when you have body dysmorphic disorder you intensely focus on your appearance and body image repeatedly checking the mirror grooming or seeking reassurance sometimes for many hours each day Your perceived flaw and repetitive behaviors cause you significant distress and impact your ability to function in your daily life. You may seek out numerous cosmetic procedures to try to, quote, fix your perceived flaw. Afterward, you may feel temporary satisfaction or reduction in your distress, but often the anxiety returns and you may resume searching for other ways to fix your perceived flaw. Um, but do you feel like that kind of accurately describes things if you were to just switch out, like, uh, more sexual things? Then that does pretty much describe it. Like, you can have discomfort with your body and not be trans. Yeah. Like, that would is what you would call bo- body dysmorphia. Uh, that's like, you know, not being at all comfortable with your body, but not wanting to change genders or anything. Mm-hmm. But dysphoria is where you are comfortable with the, with your whole gender, the way you're perceived by the world and your body. So, I was a major tomboy as a kid. I still pretty much am a tomboy. <laughs> but if this ideology had been in the culture when I was young, I would have just destroyed my life in pursuit of it. Because it was like, boys are <laughs> way more fun to hang out with than girls most of the time. You know, mm-hmm. I enjoyed sports. I never once picked up a Barbie, you know, that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I just am so thankful that that I managed to escape. I'm wondering if you could kind of describe what it felt like, both in your body and in your brain, if that makes sense. Um, what the dysphoria felt like? Mm-hmm. Okay, um, hmm. It, kind of, it often comes in waves, um, I would say. Um, if you can distract yourself with something in real life, I mean, you can go a certain amount of time without thinking about it, um, but then it always resurfaces. Um, so um, it, it can be a balancing act for sure between your body and your brain. 
um, because like if you look in the mirror you're often reminded of it if you think about your own body look at your own body you're always reminded of it and so then you have to figure out what you're going to think about that inside your brain you know is that me you know is that because i have a male body and my female brain doesn't recognize it or is it because i i or is it because i just feel discomfort with my body in general and so it's a lot of processing and a lot of constantly trying to think about it nobody can really have one body of one sex and the brain of another inside the same body that is not possible that's just something that the trans yeah the trans rights activists say to try and get their point across so that people can understand what it's like to be trans so on some level i get why they use it because they're just trying to tell people what it feels like to be trans mm-hmm. but that's not actually possible right um so 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 you can you can want to live the life of the opposite gender and want to look at in your brain, but the reality of your body reminds your brain that, that oftentimes it's just not possible. So it's a balancing act, and it's a it's a lot of processing that constantly goes inside your mind. Yeah, for sure. Did you have any major traumatic events when you were young? No, I didn't, and that's the thing. I didn't really have any traumatic events. Um, I've seen stories from many, many detransitioners who say that they have, and that's often what triggers their dysphoria. Mm-hmm. But um, And I've asked myself this question a lot, you know, what causes it? Why am I this way, you know? And um, it wasn't. I didn't suffer any traumatic events, you know. I've had... I was never hurt by anybody. I was never abused. I always had everything I needed. I always lived in the same place. My parents have always been together. They've they've been married for 25 years now. And and they've been great examples to me. And so other than the fact that they're overly protective and controlling, other than that, they've been very, very good parents. And... mm -hmm. So I think what causes it is the fact that I've lived such an isolated life on a ranch my entire life, 25 years now, never really having contact with the outside world. Mm-hmm. Like the, the only real contact I ever had before I got a smartphone was my TV. So that was my only access to seeing the outside world. Mm-hmm. So um, because I was homeschooled, as, as I said earlier, so. I think never being, never having interactions with other kids, never having real life friends, never having interactions with other girls, and or never having having conversations or just friendships or maybe even relationships with other girls, um, probably was a contributing factor. Because I don't know, it's just a theory, but maybe if you spend enough time in life without the opposite sex present, you begin to emulate traits of the opposite sex maybe you you your mind creates an internal desire to want to have the aspects of the opposite sex in your life so it begins to imitate aspects of the opposite sex maybe that's that's just a theory of mine but yeah that is interesting explanation i can come up with for my own dysphoria 
So on this ranch, I need some more info. Like, how long of a drive was it to the nearest grocery store? Mm, about 20 minutes. Oh, okay. That's not as bad as I was imagining. About 30 minutes to the largest major town. Yeah, that's not terrible. Um, So let's see. Did you just like really naturally have really feminine body language or was it something that you thought about? No, I, I never really had feminine body language. I tried to emulate it when I cross-dressed when nobody was around and that was, that's fine. Um, but um, uh, uh, being on a ranch as the oldest child, as the oldest child, when you're the oldest child and you're a boy, you have to be masculine. Yeah. I don't have a masculine-looking body. Um, I'm pretty slender. I'm about six feet tall, but very slender with not very broad shoulders and skinny arms. But still, you know, there's there was no room for me to be feminine because, you know, on a ranch, you have to be a man, you have to work hard, and that's all fine. But So that's why there's no room for me to be feminine. Sure. So I actually enlisted some help. I have been talking with um, her name. Her Twitter name is Maggie. I'm sure you know who she is. Oh, yes. I've talked with her also. Yeah. So I enlisted her for some help with some questions. So these come compliments of Maggie. How do you understand gender or sex? And what made you believe it was possible to become the opposite sex? Um, so... The difference between sexes, like, is what you're born as. It's according to your genitals and your DNA and your chromosomes. That's what determines sex. Um, that's what sex is. It's the type of body you're born with, the type of body that you're given. And um, how that's different from gender is gender is how you're perceived by the world. You know, it's how you act, how you look, um, you know, how you dress, how you talk, how you interact with people. That's your. That's the difference between sex and gender. And um, what made me think it was possible to be trans was seeing other trans people, seeing you know, seeing their bodies, and especially on YouTube, you know, you can go on YouTube and easily find so many, so many trans people. Um, and then you know, when you see their bodies and you see how passable they are, you see how how successful their transitions appear to be. Um, it makes you think, oh, wow, that could be neat. So that's what makes me think it's possible to become the opposite sex. But when you actually dive into it, you realize that's not actually possible. But uh, that's how I believe it was possible by being involved with the trans community on Facebook and seeing trans, other trans people. Right. Can you remind me of uh, of your age when you became aware you said it was from cnn and then facebook groups can you remind me of your age at that point i was about um 16 okay so did you coming from a a catholic household um Mm -hmm. did you ever deal with these kinds of thoughts like did god mess up when he made me you know it says we're knit together in our mother's womb, but something sure feels terribly wrong. Did you have those kinds of thoughts? Mm, 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, when you're, you're growing up in a Catholic Christian household, you uh, definitely do have those kinds of thoughts about where God fits into all this and what happened to me before I was born. And I do not think that God does make mistakes. Um, of course, I questioned this before, and I was like, did he make a mistake? You know, what did he think about me being trans? Am I committing a sin? And um, um, those are all big questions. But to answer your question, um, when I thought about it, I actually really, really, really just wasn't sure. Um, I wasn't sure um, um, if he made a mistake because I've, I've been taught all my life that God does not make mistakes. And so I don't, I never really thought that he did. And so um, I didn't think that I made a mistake. I, I mean, I don't think that he, he made a mistake. I never really thought that. So um, I never really came up with an answer for myself as to why. Um, I ended up that way or feeling this way yeah. So, in regards to God. I feel like it, when I look at it, it, I think of it being something similar to maybe you're born with, oh, I don't know, maybe you have club feet or just like any other kind of thing that's just not quite perfect, you know, where it's like, well, yeah. we know God doesn't make mistakes, but clearly people are not don't have completely flawless dna and some people mm -hmm. are born with other kinds of mental disorders and things like that so yeah. i've just always kind of rationalized it as something along those lines yeah i think the answer to that is there's just a randomness to things you know once you are concepted there's a randomness to what happens to you and how you're gestating your mother's room womb and when you leave your life you know there's a randomness to things you know whether or not you're born with the cleft feet is no more in in anybody's control than you getting her in a car accident you know because there's just a randomness to things yeah it's true this is another one of maggie's questions have you identified why you transitioned uh, was it self-motivated or not? Um, um, it was probably self-motivated. Self -motivated. Um, I just genuinely did not want to live as a man. I didn't want to. I mean, nothing about it was appealing to me. And still there are aspects of it that are not appealing. Um, because, you know, I always felt like grass, the grass was greener on the other side. Mm -hmm. And then I just hated my body. I just, I just hated it. I didn't want any, I didn't, I wanted to change it so bad. Um, um, I never actually did transition or take synthetic hormones. I did try to take hormones in other ways. But um, I, I guess what um, made me transition was made me was what made me feel like I was trans like I I and what made me feel like I was trans was probably the isolated life I lived so mm -hmm. I uh I think that's that's why I, I felt like I was trans and so mm -hmm. I don't think I just ever woke I never woke up and just decided like hey I want to transition you know it, it, it's a progression over many many years of of dysphoria and and um, 
feeling uncomfortable with your body yeah. and um, and all of the different aspects that go into the way you live. When you wake up in the morning, like, is it as soon as you're conscious, do you think, gosh, I sure wish I was a girl? Is it like that present? Often it is, not every morning, but often it is. It's often on your mind. Um, when you go to sleep at night, when you wake up in the morning, you wish your life was different. But at the same time, now I just remind myself, um, this is how it is, and I can learn to live with it. Yeah. How was your relationship? Nope, I misspoke. What has your relationship towards members of the same and opposite sex been like during this process? Mm, well, I haven't really interacted with people <laughs> all, in real life. Yeah. Um, I have over the internet. I try to be normal. Um, I, I do. I will say that I definitely do feel a lot more nervous talking to members of the opposite sex. Talking to girls makes me extraordinarily nervous, and I don't know why, because I guess I'm just afraid of saying something stupid. But... <laughs> I guess my relationship to men of the same sex is no problem with that. Um, it's pretty easy for me to talk to other men, but talking to other women that can make me nervous. How how are you doing? Like on a day to day basis, how are you holding up? Mm, right now, it's better than it was a few years ago because I've learned to manage dysphoria better. Um, I think that just comes with maturity. I think the more you mature into adulthood, the more manageable it becomes. I'm not sure if it ever goes away completely. I've talked about this on Twitter before, and I'm not sure if, if it can ever go away completely mm-hmm. or if it's just something you have to learn to manage throughout your entire life. But I think that with maturity, it, does, it definitely does get better. There are days when I feel like I'm just... I'm perfectly okay. There are some days when I I'm luckily hardly feel about dysphoria at all. And there are still others when I just completely wish I had a different life. I wish I had a different body. I wish I could live the life of the opposite gender. Um, I wish I could, you know, if it were, sometimes I wish it were possible for me to relive my life as the opposite gender, as the opposite, as the opposite sex. But um, of course that's not possible. And so, you have to, so if I ever do have days where I feel like that, I just try to remind myself that this is the body I was given and I can learn to live with that. Yeah. How do people react to it if they knew you as a trans woman? Mm, I was never, I, I only identified as one online. I never mm. really had a chance to transition in real life. So my experience is kind of benign compared to that of other detransitioners because I never was able to socially transition. That made me very mad at times when I was a teenager that I wasn't able to live as the opposite gender or transition like I wanted to because of my parents would never have allowed it. Yeah. So it kind of is sounding like you had two identities going on. You had your online and internal, and then you had one that, you know, you were out with your family. That very sounds true. that sounds very very difficult. Um, what kind of toll does that take on you mentally? Um, at times it can take a big toll because one moment you identify as trans on your phone, the next it's time to go outside for work. 
Yeah. And um, be with your family, family, and you know, be the typical, you know, 13, 15, 17 year old boy that they expect you to be. And so um, it's very difficult. I mean, there were days when I thought about running away, but I didn't because I, because I would have been stupid. I, I wouldn't have had any resources. Yeah. So um, it, it was very difficult for sure. So, so what, what's the, the situation with your parents and family now? They still don't know. Oh, really? Um, yeah. They'll, they'll never understand this stuff in a million years if I tried to explain it to them. They're very traditional, very Catholic, very traditional Catholic conservative. And, um, they did a good job raising me, but trying to talk to them about the problems that some youth can have, like, gender dysphoria or or uh, or uh, sexual identity confusion um, um those are terms that they don't understand i mean it was i mean it was years before they even learned that gay marriage was legalized i mean it took like three or four years before they even knew about it and so wow. they haven't been keeping up with that at all they don't know what lgbt means they don't know any of it and trying to explain to them how I felt about it would be beyond their understanding. Um, so I, I don't bother. I wouldn't be able to get any help. They wouldn't be, know how to help me or give me any resources to help me anyway. So, yeah. Wow. I'm sorry you have to deal with that. It's it's really tough to to not have a community and people with you to help you out. Mm-hmm. But I have people, you know, I can talk to online about it and, reading stories from detransitioners and, you know, other people who learn to live with their biological sex without transitioning, even if they have dysphoria. That's what I like doing. That's, that's what helps me to learn to do the same thing is by reading about other experiences from the same people online. And I follow a lot of people who are like that on Twitter Mm -hmm. and I read their content and their experiences. And that helps me to, uh, get through my own yeah have you done any cognitive behavioral therapy or anything no i haven't i haven't done any therapy um i haven't done a lot of what i've done has just been self-help would you like to perhaps i'm i'm seriously thinking i'm seriously probably gonna move away this year after the pandemic is over, mm-hmm. and um, after that, I I might decide to take on some kind of therapy for sure. Yeah, I just am fascinated by your your household, like such isolated environment. What mm-hmm. like do you guys listen to music? Is there any engagement in general pop culture or anything? For my siblings, there is. Um, but for my parents, there's not. Hmm. Do you guys have a, a good church that you go to? Only on occasion, because our work keeps us so busy. We only go on special occasions, like Easter, Christmas. Hmm. Do you, um, is it a cattle ranch? Mm-hmm. Nice. How many do you have? Also, also goats, also sheep, uh, um, a lot of chickens, too. Um, so yeah, about, uh, I think we have about right now about 62 head of cattle right now. Mm. Wow. 
that is so much work. And how many siblings do you have? Two. A younger Yikes. brother and younger sister. Your parents didn't have enough kids to work on that farm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you feel like you have a, a decent community now online and such? I do. Um, I'm glad I made this Twitter account before. Um, and I love Facebook too, by the way. I deleted my Facebook account because I had too many toxic trans friends there. And I just, um, you know, over time when I started to question trans ideology, um, I got kicked out of Facebook groups. Um, and when I just started merely trying to question it and, um, or, just bring up conversations that even slightly contradict their point of view can get you kicked. Um, and um, I had a lot of toxic friends and friends there and I just, I got sick of it. And um, so I left and deleted my Facebook account and I made that Twitter account. So yeah, I think now I'm starting to build a better community online with people. That's good. What would you tell your 10 year old self? Oh my gosh. Um, let me think. Um, I'd probably tell him, first of all, not to steal his sister's clothes because that's wrong. Um, second, I would probably tell him to try and um, try to teach a 10 year old how to manage dysphoria. Um, and try to teach him how to manage their brain, the way their brain works. Um, I would probably tell him to just not let the um, feminine feelings I was feeling to confuse me so much and try to spend less time thinking about it mm-hmm. and um, try to focus more on hobbies and stop thinking so much about clothes and about d- dysphoria or whatever dysphoria I was feeling at that time and um, to try and focus more on hobbies instead. Obviously, we're both young. I'm 24, you're 25. So these things mm-hmm. change as we go. But when you're looking at your life and the world right now, what do you want your legacy to be? Um, I want it to be one where I've, I've uh, been able to help people in some way and being able to make a positive impact on people. I, I would like to start a charity organization someday after I've been through college. I might consider doing that. Um, I'm not sure on what yet. I've been thinking about maybe starting some kind of disaster relief organization in the, in the very distant future, not now, but like in the very distant future. Um, I, w- I would really like to do more charity work once I leave home and um, because, you know, I want to help people. Um, I also want to have at least a little bit, not a major player in the trans community or anything, but just like a, I would like to be able to talk with other trans people and stay within the trans discussions and discourse, mm-hmm. especially online, so that you know if anybody's confused and they feel like they need to talk, they're going through dysphoria. If there's another young dysphoric boy out there, and I can just try and talk to him, help him understand his feelings better based on what I have felt and been through, so that you know he doesn't look at transition as his only option. And that would, then that would be really good. Okay, so these are the the four closers that I ask each of my guests. So, 
do you prefer the office or parks and rec? Hmm. I guess the parks and rec. Okay. Um, Genesis 1 through 11. Do you read that as history or legend? History. Do you think that there are aliens? I'm, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't think there are aliens. Um, I think that we do live in a very large, beautiful universe, and um, I don't think that there are aliens. I would like to think that there are aliens, but I've actually read into this a lot, and there's at least 50 different conditions that a planet needs to be able to support life and if any one of them is off by even the slightest amount life can't exist and so the odds of there being another planet out there that with uh, intelligent life is extremely remote and um i'm there could be other like like um microbes here and there on or the rocks on mars but i don't think there's any intelligent life out there like us who or what inspires you to be your best self? I guess my dad does inspire me to be my best self. I mean, there's certainly parts of how I grew up that I disagree that I disagreed with, like how overly protective and controlling they've been. But overall, he has been a very great role model. Like he's taught me like so many great things. He's taught me. And I kind of owe it to him not to fall into wokeness because he taught me a lot about um, politics and society. And so, you know, when I saw wokeness and, and the left-wing ideology coming up, I saw it for exactly what it was because he had equipped me with those tools to be able to see it earlier in life. So I understood it. And I was able to see it for what it was. And I didn't fall into that trap, at least not completely. Yeah. And so... Um, and also just trying to keep up with my faith. That's also what inspires me to try and be the best person that I can be and trying to treat others with kindness, to treat others the way you want to be treated and to surround yourself with people who, who, um, who embody the same kind of beliefs that you do because you are who you surround yourself with. And, and, um, you have to be careful what kind of group of people you're hanging around. You're constantly hanging around trans people, trans ideology. You're going to be trans. You're going to believe in their ideology. But um, if you don't, and you don't fully assimilate yourself into a toxic group of people, you won't become them. And so, um, so just trying to stay within the faith-based community and the faith-based ideologies, and um, to keep myself grounded, to keep myself as as closest to the values that I grew up with as possible so that I don't stray away from them because I don't want to stray away from the things I was taught. I am so appreciative of your attitude towards your upbringing and your family. I think mm -hmm. so many people in your situation can easily feel really bitter and angry. And I, yeah. I just am quite use the religious term blessed by, mm -hmm. by your attitude. Thank you. It, it's better now than it was before. And it's like I said before, it comes with maturity. I was very angry, especially when I was a teenager and, and um, there were some rebellious times against my parents. Like, like most teenagers happen, you know, you have rebellious times. And 
I saw smuggling clothes into my into the house as a rebellious move to against my parents. Mm-hmm. I guess some level of me thought that I even smuggled in, tried to smuggle in hormones at one point. I smuggled in. I know this is a little bit off topic, but I I, I did. Uh, I bought uh, fenugreek, which is a natural herbal herbal supplement. As opposed to, I know this is really off topic. I'm sorry, I should have brought okay. this up earlier, but. <laughs> It's a herbal supplement for women. It's supposed to help with breast growth when they're pregnant. Hmm. And you're so and you're only supposed to take one tablet a day. I took three or four a day. I took hundreds of those things. They they didn't do anything really. They didn't cause any body changes because they were natural supplements. They weren't synthetic because I couldn't get my hands on synthetic hormones. Hmm. And so that was what I got instead when I smuggled clothes into the house. I would smuggle in the phenogreek tablets also. Um, because they were just over the counter, they were easy to buy, mm-hmm. and so I took hundreds of those things. I I probably shouldn't have, but I was desperate for hormones at the time. Uh, that was something that I did, and I and part of me saw that as a rebellion against my parents too. Uh, to try and show them that, to try and feel like in my mind that they couldn't control me, what I or whether or not I was trans or not, even though they didn't know about it, which is kind of weird. But that's just the strange thought process that was going through my head but now through maturity and now that i'm 25 i i don't feel rebellious rebellious at them at all anymore even if i do disagree a little bit with how i with the isolated life i grew up in and kind of blame that for why i felt dysphoric i really do appreciate all the great family values that i learned about family about hard work especially because i know because you'll never find me, you know, laying on the couch for hours and hours playing video games. You know, I have a good, strong work ethic. I have a good faith-based ethic. You know, it's something that I want to keep as a part of myself and that I don't want to wander away from. So, so now I definitely am. If you had asked me this 10 years ago, I definitely would have been a lot more rebellious. <laughs> but now I would have had a much more rebellious answer. But now I'm more grounded. And I'm much more thankful my parents informed my upbringing for the beautiful ranch I grew up on and for the uh, the care that they always gave me and for always working so hard for us and my siblings. Do you want to plug where people can find you on Twitter? Yes, I am LostMe1313. Perfect. It's a great Twitter request. Twitter tag. Yeah, it's a great Twitter account, and uh, I enjoy reading it quite a bit. Thank you so much for coming onto this podcast. I really, really appreciate your time and your story. Thank you so much.